this is Renegades Roundup. Your best source for recaps, info, and discussions about the Arlington Renegades of the XFL. And now, here are your hosts, Joe and Zach. Hey, what's up, Renegades fans? Time for another edition of Renegades Roundup. And as much as we want to talk about the moral victories that we had on Sunday, I'm also just itching for an actual win. That game against DC was uh, probably the most exciting game for Arlington that we've seen all year, but also one of the biggest disappointments as we make it all the way to overtime and come up just short. That's going to be a big topic, as well as playoff seeding and implications as we get ready for the 10th and final week of the XFL regular season. Zach is back, and we're back together again after a very unconventional episode a week ago. We actually got our schedules to align for a little bit anyways. And Joe, I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on that DC game and just the stuff that has set up for a very dramatic week 10 in the XFL. I, man, it's, it's like you said, it's the, it's the no moral victories, but we scored more than 15 points. Like, oh my gosh. I, I, I predicted a final of like 30 to 16 and we scored 10 more than that. So I will happily eat crow for the fact that we scored more than what I was predicting. I don't think that's happened all year. No, it has not. And so, you know, you, you look at the good there, but then you also look at the bad, and they lost. It goes down the wind column as a loss. There is no style points. This is not the BCS. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's it's unfortunate. But um, the, the, the fourth quarter was a bright spot, and hopefully something they can um, – uh, something that they can take with them as they head towards this last very important game of the season. A victory and we're in, or a San Antonio loss and we're in. That's what it boils down to, but we'll take a look at the playoff seedings and uh, all of the different playouts in another cylinder. But let's go ahead and take a look at some of the other stuff that happened around the league as we rev up our engines for cylinder number one. So usually we'll take a look at some of the final scores from around the league and some of the other things that happened. Um, but I think this week it's really important to put our focus on a tragedy that took place mm -hmm. in between ball games. Not long after the Sea Dragons pulled off a big 30-12 to road win against St. Louis, did the attention just instantly shift out of football and turn into something bigger than football when the news broke that their defensive lineman, Chris Smith, passed away unexpectedly at the age of 31. Um, he was described as a veteran presence in the locker room because he had playing time, not just roster time, but playing time for NFL squads like the Bengals, the Raiders, the Ravens, the Jaguars, all of which posted statements of their own on their social media pages at how sad they were to hear of his passing. There's still not a whole lot of news exactly telling what happened um, there's some speculation but there's no official statement on how he passed away but I think what's more important is that this is the second 
passing of somebody that's part of the XFL following uh, a member of the Battlehawks training staff passing away a month or two ago. Right. It, it's it's a very upsetting thing to hear about. And of course, we send our love to Chris's family and the Seattle community. It's just something that I I have a hard time fathoming taking in a win and then turning right around and taking a loss on the roster in such a dramatic way. Yeah, no, exactly. And um, you just, you, you still, you hate to see tragedies like this. And it just seems like there's been a few more than normal when it comes to just football in general. You have DeMar Hamlin, which was almost a tragedy. Luckily he's back. Um, but you know, it, it affects the team. It affects the team's fans and so it's it, it, you know no 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 telling what these details are or anything it's just very sad to see yeah and and they have one more game at lumen field right. this week and i can't wait to see what kind of homage they're going to give for him if there's going to be any kind of a helmet sticker i know there's going to be a moment of silence um but this this Seattle fan base has a lot to be proud of right now. Their their team is just on the cusp of making it to the playoffs and probably one of the hottest teams in football. And so to um to have something like this to rally around at this point in the season, I I know that it, it shouldn't be made like a a political thing or a football thing, but players get motivated when they have a really big thing to play yes. for and when they have an opportunity to play for a former teammate that passed away unexpectedly i just can't help but feel like that's going to spark something in these guys and it's going to help them have a big game against the vipers this week agreed and they're going to need a big game against vipers this week because they're in the playoff uh contention so yeah so we we send our love and our condolences to the seattle community and to the family and loved ones of Chris Smith. Just a, a, a terrible situation there. The other big piece of news around the league is that there was a vote to uh, create a union, a players' union, with the group Steelworkers, and it was rejected. The final tally had 73 yes votes and 124 no votes, which is a bigger turnout than what the players for the USFL had when they were voting to unionize. There was a bigger player turnout in the XFL, but the turnout voted against this unionization process. However, I saw a tweet not too long ago that San Antonio kicker John Parker Romo implied that they might be willing to unionize with someone else. So perhaps the phrasing or whatever kind of situation was involved with the Steelworkers group played a factor into the no vote, but Romo suggested that they might be interested in trying to unionize with somebody else. And it's interesting because I feel like there should be a union in place. There should be a union in place for pretty much every profession, if we're being completely honest. And that that's a lot of politics. We're not going to get into politics. But you need someone that's going to be watching your back for your rights and your uh, health and well-being. And that's, you know, unions do that. And I know unions kind of get a bad rap because of, uh, you know, the Teamsters and... Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, right? Yeah, he's buried underneath right. Giant Stadium, and uh, right. So, but but you you gotta have someone because otherwise, what's to what's to prevent your bosses from taking advantage of you? So I like that the idea is there, and I like that they're willing to unionize with someone else. It'll be interesting to see if they do that and who they do that with. Right. The implication from Roma was that it might be the NFLPA. I I really don't know how that would work exactly. I'm like I said, I'm I'm not. 
or like you said, I'm not very inclined to go into the logistics and the politics of it, but it's it's a fascinating process that is getting underway very late in the year. And I feel like those conversations will probably ramp up once the first season is in the books. They'll be able to look back at the you know comprehensive overview of how everything went and then be able to make an informed decision after that. But 73 yes to 124 no. It's almost a two to one ratio from what the from what this initial proposal was. So there's going to have to be quite a change in order to actually get this process moving in a way that the players might actually want it to happen. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just something to keep an eye on for sure. Because and joining a union, creating a union does not. It's not, you can't just do it overnight. So it's going to take some time and a lot of uh, planning and preparation for that. Right. One other note that our friend Anthony Miller, who's the XFL News Hub's reporter for the Arlington Renegades, he noted earlier today that Davion Smith is on the injury report and did not practice today. However, the the expectation is that he is being rested in order to be ready for this upcoming game. Letty Brown has had some solid performances, but we do need to keep our eye out on that injury report. Follow Anthony, follow the uh, Arlington PR team, and, and try to keep up with that if you're following along on Twitter. We'll try to post updates when and where we can, but from my understanding, it's that it's just a precaution to get him healthy enough to play in the Houston game, even if he doesn't take a whole lot of practice reps. So... We'll keep our eye on that, and hopefully you will too. But I think the biggest reason, Joe, is because he took some pretty big hits against D.C., so unless you got any objections, we'll take a look at last week's ball game. Yep, let's take a look at that moral victory. <laughs> as close to any kind of a victory as we've gotten in the last couple of weeks. Rev them up, folks. It is time for cylinder number two. <laughs> 28 to 26. 17 points unanswered. 335 passing yards from Luis Perez, who looked like Luis Perez this week, as opposed to whatever the heck he looked like last week. I mean, this team gave me a lot of blood pressure spikes. I thought we were out of it by the end of the third quarter I was just gonna watch it to be watching my team and supporting them and then you get the score you get the fourth and 15 you get the field goal it was just dramatics after dramatics after dramatics with this team and after so many weeks of wondering where the heck the offense is I I just I feel a little bit better about how this game turned out because we went over 100 yards rushing as a rushing unit and had over 300 passing yards. This was a better offensive performance, and it happened against one of the better defenses in the league. Right, exactly. And I mean, at the first half, they looked like one of the better defenses in the league. We could only put up nine points together, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well, here we go again. Can't score nothing. This team stinks. My goodness, here we go. And wow. The fourth quarter, the fourth quarter has possibly changed my whole outlook on this team, my whole outlook on life around, because that's impressive. 17 points, that's 
that's hard to do even when you're playing normal NFL rules. So, you know, Luis Perez, it's nice to see a quarterback with over 300 yards of passing. It really <laughs> is. It, it's so nice. And, you know, I just now want to – I'm still trying to figure out, was it him? Was he making plays? Or was it the offensive coordinator? Because, again – I want to know if maybe there was a change because something looked different that second half, especially that fourth quarter. You know, I, I feel like it's Perez's understanding of the game. And having him mic'd up has been really, really fun, especially this last week, because he was able to tell his teammates where they were supposed to go on the field. The dude's been on the team for two weeks, and he's already expressing field assignments and calling for hot routes and making audibles at the line based on what kind of defense he's reading. This dude is a student of the game, and then he was having numbers to back it up. Seven catches for 92 yards to Sal Canella, six catches for 69 yards to Letty Brown out of the backfield, six catches for 63 yards to Taylor Vaughns. Van Der Esch had a touchdown catch that was a big physical yards-after-catch play. Like, this team seems to be, this offensive unit seems to be rallying around him a little bit. And again, it's encouraging to see. I don't like using the phrase moral victory, but Houston's defense is not as good as DC's defense. No. Houston's defense is going to get torn up by Perez. I could see him going for 300 again this week if he was able to put up 335 on DC. Now, let's address the elephant in the room, the pick six. That was a big turning point in the game that gave DC a ton of momentum when Arlington was seemingly having all of the momentum at that point. And correct me if I'm wrong, but that happened in the second half, and that was DC's only score of the second half, wasn't it? That was, yeah. Defense really stepped up and showed out in the second half for the Renegades. What a second half adjustment. You only get a 10-minute halftime but the defense shut out DC's offense. They shut down Jordan Tamu. They shut down Abram Smith. Like, you take a look at the, the rushing numbers for Smith. 10 carries for 27 yards. That is paltry by his standards. He's one of the best rushers in the league, and he only got 27 yards against us? Yeah. Like, there there are some really, really fascinating stats to look at in this ballgame, but the bottom line is the bottom line. Perez threw a pick six, and instead of using those 17 unanswered to pull in front of DC, all we were able to do was tie it up with them. If we get down there and we melt the clock down to the final three seconds, we're kicking a game-winning field goal instead of a game-tying field goal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, uh, real quick, I'm looking at the rushing. I forgot Puka Williams was a thing. Gosh, I remember him playing <laughs> in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, ran man. all over OU the game I was at, uh, 2018. But, uh, but no, I've, yeah, you're right. You're right. Back to, you know, the XFL. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate, especially because, like, I, I don't know if you said this, but Soup said it wasn't even his fault. You know, it was wide receiver's yeah. fault. Yeah. And... So, other than that, Perez had a pretty, pretty perfect game almost, and so it's it's just so tough to to see that. And you know, you mentioned something. I was going to bring this up. How he was telling people where to go on the field. Why is he telling people where to go on the field? 
<laughs> That's a good point. Why, why these people have been in the in the program for almost ten weeks now? Why do they still need to be told where to go? So, you know, maybe, kudos to Luis Perez, but maybe they're just not getting there at the speed that he would like them to. Because different, oh, I hope so. Different quarterbacks probably have different expectations for how long it should take their receivers to get to the line of scrimmage for their formation, and maybe under Plitt and Sloter. Um, they weren't rushing the receivers quite as much. They were letting them get to the line at their own pace. And Perez is like, no, we've, we've got things to do. We've got places to be. Let's go. Let's line up. Let's snap it. Let's keep the pressure on them. So I, I kind of liked the field presence that he had. And I, and I liked his understanding of the playbook. Um, I, I think it's unfortunate that he through that pick six but I mean he only got sacked twice so he had a good presence in the pocket was able to get rid of it when he needed to had a a few check down passes players like Brown were I don't know benefiting from it because of his awareness and 31 of 41 for 335 yards he outplayed both Jordan Tamu and Derek King they went a combined 20 of 29 for 264 yards and two interceptions. They did have three touchdown passes. He only had one. But he went toe-to-toe with two of the better quarterbacks in the league as well. And I just can't help but think that this kind of performance and this kind of combined output, there was a lot of distribution to the receivers. And as I mentioned, over 100 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns from Davion Smith. I mean... This this offense finally looked like the offense that we thought it could be week one, and it right. took it took until week nine to get there. But I am so encouraged by what I saw, and can only hope that we do this again in a few short days. But I'm gonna give an unpopular opinion and then circle back to it when we preview the Houston game, Joe. And I want you to hear me out and then hear me out again when we get to that cylinder. I am actually okay if we lose to Houston. Oh. And I know that's going to be a hot take, but I have been saying this for a while, and I'll say it again. Breaking news. Uh, not, oh, my gosh. I'm thinking of my other friend. Oh, <laughs> You're doing no. another podcast. You're doubling up tonight. <laughs> Zach, Zach Arnold, okay with losing. Print it. Print it. Uh, I know it's going to be a hot take and maybe people will attack me on social media. I hope they do. I haven't had a hater online in a while, but I just, I find it really, really difficult to beat the same team back to back weeks. And we're going to have to play at Houston next week. As long as DC takes care of business against San Antonio. And so I would rather beat Houston when it matters most. That's what, it boils, that's what it boils down to. I so agree. I'm not a, I'm not a traitor. I'm strategic. I would rather spend all of our energy in a road victory that puts us in the championship game than risk getting people hurt in a game that, yes, it's important, but I think next week is more important. Well, and good news, and we'll talk about this here, I'm guessing, very, very shortly. Uh, San Antonio plays D.C. on Saturday. We play on Sunday. That's a very good point. We'll already know our fate by Sunday, and I think that will play a big factor in our approach to playing uh, in that ball game. 
So, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And I'm sure a lot of eyes are going to be on that football game. And I'm going to have my eyes on the one on Sunday. I actually got word that I'm going to be working that game. So Hey, hey, there you go. You'll be in the stadium. I'll be in the stadium, and I'll be up in the press box from what I saw of my assignment. So that'll be pretty fun. Oh. I'm not going to be handing out credentials. I'll be running stats to the ESPN crew. So that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> it, it will be. I like being up in the press box because it's the old Rangers press box, and it's a really cool uh, vantage point of the field, and you get to be a part of the action. So that's actually a, a, a really cool place to be. And uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, less than a week ago, I actually got up at the booty crack of dawn. Before dawn, actually, I got up at like 3.45. I got up on Joe hours when he gets ready for Ugh. going to work in the morning. And went and was a part of WFAA's Daybreak, where they were interviewing people from the XFL, and they needed crowd shots. And we were there at Choctaw Stadium at like 5 in the morning, cheering for these uh, these uh, renegades type of people. I don't think they were actual players. I think they were people from the marketing staff that put on the pads and helmets. <laughs> but uh, we were we were cheering, and we were getting loud, and we were on regional television at five o'clock in the morning they fed us coffee and donuts and then um oh they don't even feed us gave, coffee and donuts gave us gave us gave us a couple of thank yous in a couple of uh practical ways and so um yeah it was it was a fun morning but i will probably never do it again because i am not a morning person was it how crowd was it i mean it was like essential personnel like pretty much everybody that was there had like a staff badge that they were hiding during the camera shots. So I don't know if they were actually able to rustle up crowd people because I think WFAA threw it at them at the last minute and they were scrambling to get people to be there. So I think a lot of the people that were there were staff members. Come on, WFAA, let's get it together. I'm I mean, a the exposure person, I will, you, you always set it up at least a week in advance. I don't think it was set up a week in advance. I think yeah, it was set bad. up a few, a few days in advance, if that. Yeah. And so that, that is kind of on WFAA, but I feel like the Renegades and the XFL made the most of it. They got to interview, uh, Russ Brandon and coach Stoops during, during those segments. And, uh, you know, they played the politics game and told people to try to come on out. So we'll see what that does for the attendance numbers on uh, Sunday afternoon. Because now that Houston's clinched the home field advantage for the South Division Championship, this is officially the last game that's going to be played at Choctaw Stadium because they'll play the semifinal in Houston and then the championship will be played down in San Antonio. So this is the last game to be played here in Arlington. But let's take a look at what it'll take for Arlington to get into the postseason. Um, unless you have any other thoughts on this no. over overtime defeat to dc two passes in a row to canela during the two point attempts they felt like they had the opportunity there and uh, one of those times it was in and out of his hands i can't help but wonder if they had done a jet sweep play or a zone read or something like that uh kelly bryant had a really big zone read keeper that went for like almost 30 yards earlier in the ball game i feel like Missed opportunity to not have him in those two-point conversion attempts there, but who knows? Maybe he'll get more playing time this week. Maybe so. That I like that. I like that though. I like the zone reads, the, the RPOs, and um, and yeah, maybe maybe it'll be effective against Houston because we may need to win against Houston on Sunday. We'll have to see though. Let's head to the cylinder three though and see what playoff scenarios 
abound. Yes, indeed. Go ahead and rev them up one more time, folks. We're more than halfway through the show, as it is time for Cylinder number three. Joe, as I mentioned, it's a fairly easy scenario for us um, because the implications for if San Antonio should pull the upset is uh, is going through those uh, those seven or eight different scenarios that they need for being able to make it in a head-to-head situation. You've got step number one, the head-to-head. Step number two, the best win-loss percentage in division games. We would be uh, tied in both of those with San Antonio if we both finish with four and six records. The problem is the strength of victory in the games, the combined record of the opponents in those wins. We unfortunately did not beat D.C., if San Antonio can pull the upset of the 8-1 and one defenders, then they could find a way into the postseason by having a stronger strength of victory in their games. Two of our wins are against the Guardians. One of them is against the Vipers, who are currently 2-7. and seven. So it really doesn't bode all that well for us as far as the total number of wins against our opponents. So it's got to be either an Arlington win against Houston at home or a D.C. win against the Brahmas. I like how simple it is. It's very simple. I I like when playoff scenarios are this simple. It's like win and you're in. Win and you're in, basically. And, you know, if San Antonio loses to D.C. on Saturday before we play on Sunday, it's even better. So We don't really have to look at all the different... Step four, step five, step six that's going to be going on between um, the dragons, sea dragons and the, the sea dragons. Why was why was I blanking on that? I have no idea. Dragons and Battlehawks have a really, really convoluted playoff scenario that everybody is trying to find a way to explain to the layman's and if you follow the mark cast on twitter which i strongly recommend that you do he's been posting updates pretty regularly because he lives in the seattle area and he's very invested in what those tiebreaker scenarios are about and so we're not going to spend a whole whole lot of time on exactly what it will take but right now if i remember correctly i feel like the Dragons kind of have the inside track because of their margin of victory against St. Louis and their um, their their strength of opponents in those victories. So, like, the types of teams that Seattle has beaten gives them a slight edge, but I could be mistaken. I'm trying to f- scroll through all of Reed's retweets right now to try to find the actual... Um, playoff scenario, but it is very, very complex compared to what we've got on the South Division. Yeah, and I just love how they both have winning records and they're fighting to get in the playoffs, and meanwhile the the Renegades could get in with a losing record. <laughs> right, right. So oh, man. If, if St. Louis wins and Seattle loses, St. Louis is in the playoffs. If St. Louis loses and Seattle wins then Seattle is in the playoffs. If they both lose, St. Louis is in the playoffs as the fourth loss is a non-divisional matchup, which is to Orlando. 
while Seattle would have four divisional losses, two to D.C., one to St. Louis, and one to Vegas. The fourth tiebreaker. See, it's going down to like step four, step five. It's so, so convoluted. But go ahead and follow the MarkCast on Twitter to uh, to find out exactly how it goes. But basically, each team is hoping that they will win and hoping that the other team loses. If you do that, it's a lot clearer picture for who is supposed to get in. But if both teams win or if both teams lose... Then it gets crazy. Then, then there's so many crazy tiebreakers that we'll have to take a look at. I'm sincerely hoping that this isn't our last episode. I guess we'll do like a week 10 recap next week, regardless of whether Arlington makes it to the playoffs or not. And that'll be like our season recap and maybe a championship prediction or something like that. But it's it's pretty much a win and in situation for the Renegades this week, which is probably why I'm a, I'm a little bit hesitant about my statement that I'm okay if we lose this week. Because if we lose and somehow San Antonio pulls the upset then I'm going to have a whole lot of egg on my face. Well, let's all remember now, DC doesn't need to win this game. Do you really think they're going to play their starters? The last I saw, Dungy is still on the inactive list. So their two quarterbacks are still Tamu and King. I think King will see some pretty decent playing time, but you're right. Neither Houston nor San Antonio, uh, I mean, not San Antonio, DC have a whole lot to play for they've clinched their divisions they've clinched home field advantage they really don't have as much at stake and they're both on the road so they don't have crowds that they're trying to impress and play for Audi Field had a great turnout but they're not playing for Audi Field this week so that's a really good question and probably something that's worth taking a look at as far as effort is concerned do you rest your your healthy players and does that give San Antonio the option to continue to fight for their playoff lives? I I really don't know because honestly, San Antonio didn't impress me last week with a twenty-five to twenty-three narrow win at home against the Guardians. Yes, the Guardians are looking better, but the Brahmas are not. I I kept thinking that they were going to turn a corner when Jack Cohn came back to being quarterback, but they really haven't, and so. I'm just I'm really curious about which San Antonio team we're going to get. Are we going to get the defensive juggernaut that shut us down at home or are we going to get the flaky team that ekes out a victory against Orlando like we've done the two times we've played them? I just I don't know. <sighs> now the, the more, more we talk about it the more I uh the more I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's what's crazy is yeah. There are only four teams out of the eight in this league that have their fates secured. Yep. D- DC is secured to have a home game in the playoffs. Houston is secured to have a home game in the playoffs. Vegas is out. Orlando is out. St. Louis, Seattle, Arlington, and San Antonio are all still fighting for their playoff lives going into the last week of the year. That's insane. Mm. And you kind of like it, but at the same time, again, a team with a losing record is going to make the playoffs. <sighs> Yeah, I have a feeling that possibly from, one, from from year one to year two. Yeah, I mean, if we win, then we'll go with a 500 yeah. record, which isn't going to be much better. I mean, whoever misses out in the North Division is still going to be mad because St. Louis beat us and Seattle beat us. Yeah. And so they're they're both going to be mad that we made it to the playoffs and their team. Well, didn't. that's how divisions work, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like maybe they'll do it differently next year. I, I feel like one of the adjustments they'll make from week 
from year one to year two is going to be playoff seeding. Because the the WNBA has a very similar situation where they've only got eight or ten teams, and they did away with a, like a whole East-West type of divisional championship and just started seeding them one through eight so that you had the best competition in the playoffs. That's so it's good. It's 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 entirely possible. I don't like comparing the XFL to the WNBA, but it's the only comparison I've got right now. Well, I was, well, I, I was about to say you could do playoffs, you could do attendance, you could do yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? That was meant to be funny. I'm sorry. I know St. Louis and San Antonio have really and DC have shown out for yeah. their teams, and that's Absolutely. I really like to see. That. I wish everyone would get on board with that because Dallas, Houston. Seattle, Vegas. Well, Vegas is uh, uh, Vegas is a whole other animal. But it's just like, come on, guys. What else are you doing on a Saturday or Sunday in the spring? Going to see the Rangers? Although they're actually good this year, so you know what? They're, they're um, not. They're not. They're not bad this year. And the Stars are in the playoffs. Yes, uh, don't don't get started. Don't get started. Don't get started. We're still going to stay with the NFL. So uh, uh, yeah, but you know, it, it it's it, it'll be interesting if they have any tweaks or anything for next year. But for now, we know. Renegades win, they're in. As San Antonio loses, Renegades are in. San Antonio wins, Dallas loses. Arlington loses, oops. Arlington loses, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've been doing that all season. <laughs> like Change is hard. <laughs> we're, supposed, we're supposed to be like the, the premier coverage group for this team and we keep calling well i'm sorry you know considering half the time arlington doesn't even get its you know credit (coughs) rangers jerseys uh yeah really then uh then uh it's hard sometimes so i apologize arlington arlington wins they're in they lose and san antonio wins they're out so and as far as seattle and st louis oh boy it's a hot mess, and we'll let the league sort all that out. For all we know, it may come down to step number eight, which is a coin flip. That funny. would be hilarious. Very Friday that night, lightsy. That would be hilarious. All right, let's take a look at this opponent that may or may not have anything to play for except for bragging rights within the states. Rev them up again, folks. It is time for cylinder number four. Joe, you, you kind of scared me a little bit with this comment about Houston maybe not having anything to play for with the win against Vegas, which they had to come from behind to do it. They were down 12-6 to six at halftime. With this win against Vegas, they are now guaranteed to be hosting whoever the opponent is next week. Do you see someone like Brandon Silvers sitting and you, you try to... You, you try to keep players like Borgie healthy and see what the what the twos can do against a team like Arlington? Is that a smart move? Like we said, they have nothing to play for. So why not rest your quarterback that's proven to be um, your best quarterback on your roster? Why risk him getting hurt? Especially when he didn't have a great game against Vegas last week. No, he didn't. 16 of 27 and two interceptions, no touchdowns. Like, honestly, it was the running game from Aline and Borgie that kind of bailed him out. That This feels very play him the first quarter, see what happens situation. Let him, because you don't want to just sit him all, all week because then they're cold. But, right. But... This is this is definitely a do not put booby miles in in the fourth quarter here. He's going to tear his ACL. So, uh, yeah, again, that's the second Friday night's life 
a Friday Night Lights reference. It's the last one I will say, however. So, yeah, I don't play him. If, me personally, if I'm Wade Phillips, um, I, I play him first quarter. See how he's doing. Maybe second quarter after halftime. If the if Houston's winning or if it's a blowout, either way, sit him. So, what would you constitute a blowout though? Because I know, DC was you know. was in pretty complete command, and then we made seventeen unanswered to come back and force overtime. That might be the that. greatest thing the XFL ever offers: is that you can be completely getting blown out, but you can go get a couple nine point plays, and you're back in this thing. So. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I guess it's the way the game's going. If it just looks like that Arlington's getting overmatched and they're up 15, 16. Okay. But then again, well, they looked overmatched against CC. I don't know. Like we said, Houston doesn't need to win. They have everything wrapped up. They know what's going to happen for them moving forward into the playoffs. So, And for all we know, we may know our fate by Sunday as well. Yeah. So our eyes are going to be glued to the scoring updates and, and possibly even the ball game between the defenders and the Brahmas on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be an ABC broadcast and we'll see if the Brahmas have the fight in them to continue fighting for their playoff lives. I think they will. I think they'll make a game of it, but I think DC is just too strong. So I'm hoping we'll have a playoff berth clinched by then, but I'm also kind of curious to see um, what, Arlington is capable of, but I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up my statement from earlier to close out this this thought in this segment before we go to predictions. As long as Perez doesn't throw any pick sixes, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. But I'm also fine if we don't win. Because I I looked at the series in the USFL between the Breakers and the Stallions, they played each other twice. And I think New Orleans' best game against them was in the division championship game. I think they had the tightest competition. Now, the Stallions are good, and they beat them for three times in a row, which is damn near impossible to do. That is probably the exception to the rule. But you take a look at maybe a couple of AFC North teams that were duking it out in the NFL and they end up meeting each other, a wild card team playing at the divisional champ in the playoffs, trying to win two out of three or even sweep the season against a team is very, very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Now, and oh, go ahead, and keep going. I would, I would just rather see us showing up and showing out and playing a hundred percent in Houston as opposed to spending all of our energy fighting for the playoffs and then have nothing left in the tank by next week, having players injured from this week's game and not being at full strength to be able to compete when it matters most. I agree, and I'm going to save you, Zach, from the internet trolls who may listen to this and come at you. You're not okay with them losing if San Antonio wins. (laughs) That's very true. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. Like I'm I'm going to I'm going to have to backpedal that bike really really hard if San Antonio finds a way to pull the upset against DC who has like you said nothing to win, nothing to lose either. So very interesting, very unique circumstances going into week 10. Very hard to make accurate predictions, but I think if Perez has a turnoverless game, Let's not forget, I, I, I said earlier in the in the show that 
Houston doesn't have DC's defense, they turned over Vegas twice and got fumble or strip touchdowns out of them. So they had two defensive scores in last week's ball game. Their defense isn't bad. So I think we, again, need to win the turnover battle. I think we need to pick off Silvers twice because he got picked off twice against Vegas. Mm -hmm. I think our defense is better than Vegas. Much better, yes. We should pick him off twice as well. So if Perez doesn't turn it over and we turn Silvers over, that is a recipe for disaster for Houston and a recipe for the playoffs for Arlington. 100% agree. So why don't we try to predict the score here? Ugh, I hate this part because with the eight-point plays, the nine-point plays, the field goals, it, it's so hard to pick something. And our offense actually looked pretty good last week. So um, I'm going to go with an Arlington win, 23-17. to 17. That's actually kind of what I was going to go with, actually, somewhere around there. Well, I'll switch it up, though. We'll go 24-18. 24-18. Man, it'll be like Price is Right rules trying to figure yeah. out one dollar who's 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 gonna be more right and who's gonna be off by a couple of points. I I think it'll it'll be a close and tightly contested game. But aside from the San Antonio game, Arlington's been pretty good at defending Choctaw Stadium, and this is the stadium that both of these teams practice in at the hub. So it's almost like bragging rights for who owns this practice field a little bit. So. Yeah. I think I think there'll still be some stuff to play for and a little bit of, of chippiness and a little bit of edge to it and hopefully it leads to a pretty good product on the field. And talking about the hub, I've actually seen some rumblings. A lot of people aren't liking the hub. Remember what I said about the hub earlier in the year and how it kind of takes away from city outreach? Yes. Well, people are starting to notice it. I've been seeing some rumblings on Twitter and people are like, well, we'd love our team to be here instead of flying in for the game. So I wonder yep. if they'll maybe change that next year since they'll have plenty of revenue from the Jersey sales, right? Oh dear. Not even going to go there. Not even gonna go I'm there? not buying no, one. No, you sure? I'm, I'm not buying one. Oh, <laughs> that's dude, all oh, I'm uh, say. good friend, Anthony, Anthony did buy one. Yeah. And he sent a picture, uh, sent a picture to me and, it's not a hundred. He even said it's not hundred ninety dollars worth, and that's you know before taxes and shipping and Bro. stuff. So he said it's not hundred ninety dollars worth. But he he says he collects the jerseys. I respect it. I do respect it. Yeah. I just if I also like collecting jerseys. I have a big jersey collection in my closet right now. No, I'm not. No, I have an old Renegades one, and that's good enough for me. Dude, I've I've said this since the reveal. The old jerseys are better. Mm. I I, I I do I, like the all blue. I do like the all blue, but not for 190 bucks, man. That's for sure. No, no, not for 190. Mm-hmm. I think black is just a sharper look, and it and is. the the bl- and the black on the baby blue was just something that stood out to me. I miss the bandit. I miss the black mm-hmm. on blue. Yeah. And so when you incorporate the red and you go all baby blue or you go all white it's just i i don't uh, know there's just something the, about the it. red trim really kind of throws me off a little bit whereas on the old ones it was the red little lines across the shoulders which is yeah pretty sleek so yeah you know hope I, i'd love to see, i'd love to see what their price what their uh sales have been because when they dropped those jerseys Dude. Nobody was happy. I swear, I saw the, a couple people. I got mine, and I'm just looking at them like, "You, 
what do you do for a living that you can just do 190 bucks like that? Right. Right. No, I would say 90% of the comment sections when they did the jersey drop was people saying, this ain't it. This ain't it. There's no this Under Armour. There's no Under Armour logo. There's no, no. like... It it is it is a replica jersey. It's probably like the replica jersey. Well, even they have the Nike symbols on it, like the NFL replica jerseys, which are 130 bucks. Right. Which right. Uh, inherently, I maybe wouldn't pay that, but I did pay it because I have a Micah Parsons jersey. But again, it was a little more feasible to talk myself into because 130 I can easily pay off off my credit card. 190 mm-hmm. that's that's like that's a, a lot. that's like a car payment. <laughs> I was about to say. I was literally about to say. That's a car payment, dude. I'm I'm gonna skip my car payment so that I can have a replica jersey with of a jersey with the way that the Rock name on it. That, that I don't even care for. Yeah, like I'm I'm sorry. I'm just it's it, it was it's it's kind of a marketing ploy, and I and I get that they need to kind of recoup in in certain aspects, but they're just not gonna recoup from me. That that's no. all I'm gonna say. Maybe maybe things will be better for you too. Well, there's a there's a lot about year two to look forward to. I don't know if the hub is going to change in year two, uh, just because of the agreement that they signed with the city of Arlington. I think the hub is here to stay for at least three seasons. Oh. So um, we'll we'll see if they can find ways to improve community yeah, outreach they, moving they, forward. They have to because I don't I can't see it lasting three years with fans that aren't in Arlington. Like, wow, how are our teams back? And oh, and they're gone again. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. So we we talked about ways that they could try to improve it because I mean it is kind of costly to fly out there is, and then fly yeah. back and They're so flying spirit actually they are <laughs> they are flying spirit actually because I good friend of the show I'm, Jay Noakes said like San Antonio's flying spirit so I mean it's the right color scheme it is right color <laughs> <laughs> hey we got you guys a team playing. No, it's just a spirit plane. No, 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 it's yellow and black. No, 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 it's no. Be- it's because it's because you've got spirit. Oh my god! <laughs> it's the it's the it's the new it's the new San Antonio uh, mantra. Yeah, that's what it is. We've it's got the team mantra. Spirit. We've got spirit. Yes, we do. Try not yes, to do. die. How about you? <laughs> god. Oh man. Oh. Always fun to make fun at San Antonio's expense. I love the city, but I don't love that we are fighting for our playoff lives no, with that either. team. So I'll be a fan of San Antonio uh, like in about a week's time. Because here's the deal. If, for whatever reason, we don't make it in, I can't see myself rooting for Houston. Nope. So uh, if we don't make it in, I'll be a Brahma's fan for one week. Because I just don't want it to be Houston. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of the Houston community or the city or the team or their helmets. There's just there's not a lot about this that I'm that I'm happy with. So if it comes down to it, yeah, I'll cheer for San Antonio next week. But for now, let's go Gates. Let's go Gates. Alrighty. Well, I think that's about it for this edition of Renegades Roundup. Joel, where can the folks at home keep up with you? When we're not doing these episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Joe Scanlon TV. I will not have a blue check mark as of tomorrow, or well, Uh-oh. we're recording this on the nineteenth, so as of four twenty. So appropriate. I'm, yeah, I'm about to send out like a final like tweet, be like, "It was nice while it lasted." I'm not paying for Twitter blue, Elon. Nope. Ugh. But yeah, follow hardly me. Follow any, me, Joe hard, Scanlon TV. Yep. Hardly, hardly anybody is. And uh, you can follow me at Zach the Voice on pretty much all socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. 
And be sure to go follow the podcast. Look for Renegades Roundup on Facebook and Renegades underscore pod on Twitter. But that's going to do it for this edition, episode 10 of season two of the Renegades Roundup podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll tune in again next week. But for Joe, I'm Zach reminding you all one more time to raise raise some some hell. hell.